0: Nicholas Bornois of Capital Inc., and I would like to welcome you to the second panel of our Capital Link Singapore Maritime Forum, which we're hosting uh, this year in virtual form and in partnership with uh, Columbia Ship Management and uh, SINGHAI Marine Services. As I mentioned, uh, our forum this year is going to focus on three uh, elements, on technology, on finance, and on the human element. So this is the second panel of our forum, and it is going to focus on global alternative finance options. And I would like to uh, welcome uh, Shana Gose, the partner of Hill Dickinson, who is also sponsoring this uh, panel. Uh, I would like to thank her for uh, being the moderator, and I would like to thank uh, the panelists for being with us today. Uh, I will let uh, Shana do the introduction Of the panelists. So, thank you to all of you for being with us today, and I look forward to a great uh, discussion.
1: All right, thank you so much, Nicholas, and good afternoon, everyone. Um, Welcome to this panel session on global alternative finance options, organized by Capital Link as part of the Singapore Maritime Week. My name is Shana Ghosh. I'm a partner of the Singapore office of the law firm Hill Dickinson, um, and I'm pleased. Um, to introduce a highly experienced and interesting panel of financiers and consultants today. Um, I'll introduce them to you um, in the same order that they're displayed on our screens, um, and I believe you should be able to see their names and positions at the bottom of each box. So starting in the top left-hand corner, we've got uh, George Kiprios. He's the CEO of Yafira Consulting Private Limited, um, on the right of the screen, we've got Tobias Becker. he's from Fleetscape Capital. Um, on the bottom left, George Cambanis from Yale Street Marine Finance. Uh, right under me, Julian Proctor from Purus Marine, um, established just last week. Um, and so I'm sure Julian will have um, uh, quite a lot to talk about that. Uh, Bottom right, um, we've got Axel Siepman from Bremer Knaves Corporate Finance. Welcome, everyone. Um, Just for the um, audience to know, you can um, retrieve the um, full profiles from the Capital Link website on all our panelists if you would like more information on them. So, yes, a warm welcome to everyone and to, I think, a few hundred people that are joining us today. I hope everyone is safe and well, um, and please do make yourselves comfortable for the next 40 minutes or so while we take on this interesting topic of alternative finance options. Um, In order to kick off the session, um, I would first like to ask um, each member of the panel to introduce themselves um, to the audience to talk about what exactly it is that you bring to the alternative finance space. Um, how you differentiate from uh, bank fi- traditional bank finance, or um, if you're more in an advisory capacity, um, how the um, deals or, or, or uh, transactions that you're involved in um, differ from traditional financing. Um, so perhaps could I start with um, uh, George from yield Street, if that's okay?
2: That's great, thank you very much, and, um uh, thanks uh, to Nicholas for setting this up uh, yield Street uh, is a fintech uh, platform that started in 2015 um, it acts um, on the one side like a private equity we have our own funds we have warehoused funds that we uh, lend to a shop owner we um, and um, once the ship owner has been um, uh, used that money to buy the ship or fund uh, his activity uh, we package the loan uh, with the the asset-backed loan and we sell it online uh, to retail investors accredited investors Um, we do this uh, in marine uh, for marine finance uh, real estate art finance litigation finance so we have Um, a number of verticals. Um, Currently the platform has uh, 1.8 billion of assets under management and around uh, 250,000 subscribers. Um, And uh, we see our money is opportunistic money. Uh, We're quick uh, and flexible. So uh, we are able to uh, fund a, a, a project where a ship owner uh, sees an opportunity. Uh, we provide bridge financing. It's not long term financing, so we're not competing with banks. Uh, we do up to three year terms. And I'll stop there.
1: Right. Um, uh, what about uh, uh, Tobias? Would you like to sure. go next?
3: Yeah, we're we're a little bit different. <clears throat> uh, we uh, at FleetScape, we are an oak tree sponsored uh, fund or a finance company set up as an alternative uh, lender to shipping and offshore space. Um, we uh, we're, we are long term uh, funders. Uh, we are not looking to be a ship owner. We're purely just a capital provider. Uh, average deal for us is five to seven, uh, five to seven years. Um, 20 to $50 million of funding, uh, but a big range, I think between $10 million on the low end and 150 on, on the high end. Um, funding across the shipping and offshore space. Um, I think one of the uh, two two differentiating factors, I would say, I think we're quite creative on, on, on putting deals together in the sense that uh, it's not not everything we do is a plain vanilla loan. It, it's tailored to the specific need of, of the ship owner. And then the other thing is we have a partnership with Macquarie Bank that um, uh, allows us to get senior financing from them for our deals. Uh, they are able to fund us uh, more cost efficiently than, than one would do for a standalone shipping deal. And we're then able to pass on the benefit of that senior funding to our clients uh, in, in, in a blended uh, pricing. So, uh, so um, either through a sale leaseback or in the, in the tranche loan, we should be able to fund our clients at a pricing between Larva plus uh, 500 and LRPLUS 650 for higher leverage financing than what banks can do. Um, um,
1: anybody, any volunteers, Axel?
4: A pleasure. Um, Axel yeah. Siegmann, um, uh, I'm Managing Director of Bremer Navis. We were founded in 2009 in order to help clients basically to, to, to get the best financing deal. So, so our daily job is to help clients to get the most favorable uh, financing terms in a, in a, in a complex environment, uh, which means that um, we have clients to find financings for new buildings that aren't that straightforward, Second-hand acquisitions we're particularly strong in a restructuring environment um, and also in complex situation, for example, people that would like to get something financed operating in Africa. Uh, you know. Um, so anything that has a degree of, of, of complexity is our task. Um, and and, and that, that is also our passion with, with 25 people in, in four offices around the globe.
1: Thanks very much. Julian?
5: Good. Um- Hello everybody, my name is Julian Pogge, I'm the CEO of Shores Marine. We are a ship owner of a variety of different types of marine equipment from vessels all the way over to offshore wind parks. So a wide variety of critical marine infrastructure. We have, we were established by interest Global as well as a large number of sovereign wealth funds, government institutional investors, who have the highest quality shareholders. What we look to do as a owner of marine assets is partnered with other ship owners, operators across both industrial shipping sector, all the way over to areas such as ferry, seafood, and the offshore wind sector. So really the entire ocean industries in helping them grow their business by utilizing our equity. So often you will see us um, be very active in forming joint ventures with leading players. we just announced a very large joint venture with Dom shipyards. Which, as you probably actually, one of his own bases in Singapore, which uh, we're um, very excited about. So, we're very active. We're going to be also making an announcement, I hope, very soon in the offshore wind space as well. So, hopefully, we'll be able to do a lot more business in Asia Pacific. Obviously, it's a very important region for us. It's a place where I spend most of my career in life. So, looking forward to doing more business there. Right. Thanks. Last but not
1: least, George.
6: Yeah, we're a, uh, Yafira is a a Singapore headquartered uh, arranger. Uh, We help uh, mid-market entrepreneurs uh, achieve uh, their uh, growth ambitions, whether it be uh, CapEx financing, you know, working capital, and also inorganic growth through uh, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, In that role as an arranger, and I actually have been a colleague of uh, Tobias in a previous uh, shop icon capital, so we've we've worked together in the in the past. Um, but in this current context, our job is to really understand um, what capital is available, both locally and globally, uh, understand the, the relevance, uh, and increasingly the the criteria very specific for each group to be as outlined his, George also. Uh, so we need to understand how in that complex environment that Axel talked about, how we can um, uh, deploy that capital into our transactions. So uh, we work from the business planning through to execution uh, with a particular focus in uh, offshore energy uh, and increasingly in the renewable space uh, as well.
1: Thanks very much. Um, so just um, turning to, to our, our first question then. So um, Alternative financing has had a steadily increasing prominence um, in in the world and in maritime um, for for several years now. Um, But then we've faced this unforeseen pandemic last year. And so I'm curious what your views are on how the industry is, um, the the ship finance industry has sort of managed um, in the circumstances and, and whether shipping is still seen as um, a strong investment. I suspect, uh, you, know, uh, um, with, from, from um, you know, with approach from Julian's perspective, you know, with the um, huge um, investment and commitment, I sort of can um, tell which way your answer will go. But uh, yeah, I'm still curious anyway to hear your views and everyone's views on that.
5: Maybe I'll then start it, given that you just mentioned my name. Z, <laughs> um, which is probably a bit of you know For us, what we have seen in 2020 is a watershed year in terms of the both the ownership as well as the finance of the, the industry as a whole if you think about it, there's now a laser focus by both customers as well as regulators on environmental issues social issues you can't talk to any bank without them bringing their sustainability team on uh, the same call i was in a call recently with a large french bank this week And there were multiple sustainability people because they all wanted to know that the ferries that we were going to be acquiring, they, um, they were low emission. And and there's this, and I think this is, this is the trend, which accelerated post COVID. There's been this, this real pivot towards the environment that can create obviously opportunities for some of the, uh, alternative debt finances on this, on this call. But for us, it's an incredibly positive trend because it means the, the commercial banks that lend to our businesses were very much aligned with where they want to go because ultimately our customers are large corporates, uh, large ship owners, which we're partnering with, which are the beneficiary of uh, commercial, uh, environmental-focused debt. So for us, incredibly positive tailwinds, and we're very excited. We also think on the customer side, we, um, we've seen a permanent shift in their demands, their expectations, what they want from the um, ship owners, from their financiers as well. So I think for the part of the market which doesn't take this, this shift towards environmental sensitivity seriously, I suspect they become much more like a stranded asset player than anybody else. Has that been,
1: um, is that consistent with everyone's, everyone else's experience or?
3: Like I can say for FleetScape, I think what, we're, what the trend we've seen on our side is that, yeah, I mean, if you go back or if you go back to, to the Icon days, which is now five years ago when George and I were there, um, that was very much a separate thing from the banks. The banks were doing their things. The leasing funds were doing their things. Now, it's much more of a sliding scale. And, and it's not clear where the banks end and the alternative finances start. And very often, they're overlapped. Um, I think that's a very new thing. Uh, I also think our cost of funding has come down and I think the bank's cost of funding or, or expectations of, of yield has gone up. Um, so so it's sort of met each other. Uh, when, we do, when we lose deals today, uh, it's not really in the traditional sense to one of our traditional competitors it's more mm-hmm. other financing options are chosen. And, and that could be a bank, or it could be a public offering, or it could be another fund, uh, or, or the deal just doesn't happen. Yep.
0: right. Interesting.
1: And, um,
3: if, if I may um, you know, paint a slightly more
4: positive picture, um, because what I find interesting to observe is that, of course, last year in March, April, the world was a little bit shocked, and there was a massive uncertainty. Yeah. Um, But um, I find that a lot of financial institutions were all taken by surprise. How positive, basically, especially the shipping industry developed, um, coping with the COVID nineteen environment. Actually, in certain parts, even benefiting. I mean, look at the container industry that massively uh, benefited, and and we have an 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 enormous boom in container shipping as we sit here. Um, And that, from my perspective, led certain institutions. To reconsider that actually shipping might be more resilient than than its reputation had developed uh, over the previous last 10 years. And we see in particular a few niche banks uh, coming back to the market. I think the big issue here is when you talk about volume. Um, You know, 15 years ago, of course, it was relatively easy to get a large Find a large volume in in, in 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 the banking space. I would say volume is more limited if you look towards bank loans, but I find it's coming back. Um, it's it's selective, um, and in so far I find that if you ask the question, you know what has been the effect of COVID nineteen? Um, you know a positive surprise in terms of resilience of the shipping industries might take from it. <laughs>
1: so yeah so that I mean basically what I'm hearing is that you know shipping is um still seen as a safe strong sort of industry um notwithstanding um that that big curveball we were thrown last year but um coming back to sort of something Tobias had said um about how you know nowadays you know there, there isn't this distinct line between sort of traditional the bank finance and alternative lenders and how now it's you know you don't just lose out to the other it's to what you know other alternative options there are so it, it seems to me that basically alternative finance now it's not just plugging a gap anymore i mean it's it's this permanent feature um, you know it's here to stay i mean we see it now in sort of even the lloyd's list um you know top 10 uh, rankings that come out every year that um we're seeing more and more sort of alternative um, financiers um, featuring there. So, um, you know, I, I guess the, the question is, would you agree that it's more sort of mainstream and, and, and what do you see sort of in the makeup of players in this market going forward?
2: I think uh, uh, Shana, shipping has never had it as good. There's so many uh, alternative players uh, in, in the market today. Uh, that each uh, approach the shipping industry in a different way. So um, there's there's, uh, different um, types of funding, different uh, terms, some are longer, some are shorter. Uh, There's uh, the opportunistic funding um, uh, that we like to provide if a ship owner wants to uh, buy his debt back from a fund and needs uh, a relatively high advance uh, quickly, uh, then we can give that to him and he can go uh, and take his time to find a a bridge loan and and pay us back. So there's a lot of choices, uh, I think, in uh, finance today for for ship owners.
3: Yeah, Uh, Just to follow up on that, I I think to some degree alternative finances still are will still be the filling the gap, if you will, because there is very often an equity need that's not being filled in, in shipping. And, and uh, but in a much more of a creative way, it's not, it's not, it's just not filling the gap. It is more providing a complete solution for projects. That are, um, get. Yep. And I would,
5: also, I would also say that the uh, uh, there seems to be an increasing amount of commercial bank debt if you're a really high quality customer. There's no doubt, it's never been better. And the terms that some of our partners, chip owner partners, operate partners see are phenomenally, I, I don't think I've seen since 2004, 2005. I would also um, support Tobias's view that there's a, for product providers like himself, finances like himself, there's a, there's a, a segment of the industry which is incredibly attractive and both Tobias' business as well as um, businesses like Entrust's credit business are doing incredibly well. They're doing phenomenal. There's lots of customers for them. But there's a fundamental shortage of equity. If you look at the amount of public issues in the industry over the last several years, you can count on one hand how many IPOs have been in the last several years. There is no public equity which is financing shipping, probably outside of uh, places like Japan and China. And that's often driven for very different reasons. So for me, that is the fundamental challenge, which is we know that there's trillions of dollars of capital expenditures which are going to be required over the next decade to rebuild the fleets that we have. We know that the banks are there, the commercial banks are there. We also know that there's in some cases alternative financiers. But where does the equity come from? And ultimately, that means you need more people like us to uh, to fill that gap. Because there's just not enough equity, and that's really, I think, the message for uh, people here today is: uh, if you if 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 you need to think about where these big issues are, that's one of them which I would really put a laser light under. On yeah,
6: top. I don't. I, and just to add, I come from the other extreme, which is the uh, the middle market space, and I think everything that uh, Julian says absolutely correct, and I do share Axel's optimism. But pre-COVID, it wasn't anything to do with COVID. Here in Asia, we saw a wholesale departure of European banks from uh, the market. And if you are BW offshore, or if you're a Costco, if you were some of the companies that Julian's involved with, no problem, as you said, cheap as ever. Our problem now is that you've lost a number of creative structural people, structuring people From those institutions, and yes, some are coming back in pockets. But for the middle market in Asia, that critical piece of whether it's 30%, 40%, 50% debt at single-digit rates to make the overall deal work uh, is actually very tough to get for the small and medium-sized market. Sure, that's going to lead us to consolidation issues, but. For projects, it's getting very hard, and that's why it's fantastic to hear the sort of things that um, the UniTran structure that Macquarie and and FleetScape are doing. The challenge for us is a lot of the shipping in in Asia is offshore energy related. Everyone is focused on sustainability in those markets and is very focused on renewables, but it's very tough these days to get any sort of financing for offshore energy uh, in in the, again, middle market in Asia.
1: Um, okay, I'm gonna move on um, now, just in the interest of time to sort of, um, just a little bit more into sort of the reputation of alternative financing. Um, is it, so traditionally, I guess the view that um, the, the market, the industry has of it is, um, yes, you have these um, unique Structures, um, you know, it's flexible. um, You you can get sort of higher um, loan to value coverage, but at the end of the day, it's more expensive. So, is that still is that a fair view? Is that too simplistic? Is it outdated? Um, What can you tell us about that?
3: Let me let me jump into that one because uh, (laughs) I think it's truly it's a truly sliding scale. And I think the higher leverage you get, the more you pay, it's, it's really no difference. And I think, um, uh, yeah, if you want 90%, 95% financing, it's going to cost you. It's going to be expensive, and it's going to put pressure on the economics of the underlying transaction. But
0: mm-hmm. it doesn't
3: necessarily mean that it's uneconomical to, to do a project with 70% financing. It, it should be able to carry it in the shipping. Um and, and also this is a function of cycles I mean I think going back to before the financial crisis banks were doing 80 90 percent of the financing on top of the market uh, and that was not sustainable so it depends on where you are and what the expectations are for the underlying project and and, and, and what the expectations are for where, where asset values will be uh, over the site over the term of the of the investment
2: and that high LTV there's an equity element so you know the ship owner goes to a bank and gets a 50% LTV. He has to put in 50% of the money, but if he's getting a 75%, that 25% has to be paid for.
1: Mm.
2: So um, you know, as Tobias says, it's uh, it's part equity, part lending.
1: Right. And um, and is there sort of I mean, you know, there's so many different structures now, um, you know, that are out there. Is, is there any sort of particular um, way, you know, a preferred approach, or um, you know, are we looking more towards sort of sale and leasebacks these days, or just uh, normal sort of debt structures, um, just the usual sort of mortgage lending? What, what are we seeing these days in terms of what's, what the options are
4: um, let me jump in here. I mean, the, it, it has become extremely diverse, and 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 there's there's the multitude of tr- structures that actually compete against each other. Um, there is a few players that are very successful offering leasing structures, um, and and we see very competitive terms, especially in Asia on that front. There is a few owners that simply don't like leasing structures because formally legally they don't own the ship, so they turn towards uh, those. Um, Plays in the market that that uh, provide mortgage uh, back mortgage backed uh, loans, senior and junior loans, but I think the important take is that um, today we we talk about very rational risk-adjusted pricing and the strengths of alternative financing is that it's free of uh, regulatory constraints. It can basically jump in where banks simply don't feel comfortable. For example, in a restructuring environment or in a situation that has been distressed, a lot of banks categorically say, sorry, no, we're closed for this type of exposure. Um, and, And alternative financing can take an uh, own view what they believe is the outlook of the asset and and, and, and the counterparty and then and then uh, take a, a situation and respond relatively flexible so we, we see, you know, the same type of um, alternative financing institution, providing quite different terms, uh, depending on, on what the, the, the counterparty actually is. And then so far, I think there's the, 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 the risk-adjusted pricing as is really, I think that's what has developed over the last few years. And, and arguably, I think that was the pre-Lehman crisis quite different.
1: Right. Actually, that ties in really well with sort of what I was going to move on to next in terms of sort of regulations and the flexibility that um, is enjoyed in, in the alternative financing market, sort of um, being a, um, a little less free from that. Um, so, you know, it's a generally sort of hot topic, um, uh, you know, compliance and ESG, um, and which we've seen piled on the banks, um, basically in, in recent years. Um, so, you know, from, from what you were saying, it sort of um, it lends... Sort of to the point of view that you know the ship finance banks are basically becoming less competitive because of it. Um, could you give us a little more on sort of how um, the alternative financiers sort of neg- navigate these reg- regulations and 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 how do you stay flexible as a result?
3: Well, if I, if I, if I can answer the uh, from the investors' perspective, every investor today asks a question, just like Julian said. I mean, this is this is. If not the first question, one of the first questions they will ask for any kind of uh, conversation. Uh, that being said, I think you still are finding capital for every kind of investment in shipping, regardless of the ESG footprint. It just becomes a very differentiated cost base and very differentiated structure expectation, uh, which is part of the reason I, I think uh, George, you or you, were, you were referring to it and. And Singapore, the offshore space, I mean, there are a lot of the traditional banks just don't want to touch anything that makes them look less uh, less environmentally conscious.
2: That um, the ESG uh, question um, is an interesting one in that uh, a whole slew of new fuels, uh, new designs uh, of ships, new propulsion systems. Um, need to be developed and a lot of money needs to be poured into R&D uh, for this development. And um, the world has never been in a better position uh, to solve for this with technology. If we see uh, with COVID, uh, it took the world less than a year to come up with two vaccines because of technology. and. It, it happened because everybody put shoulder to the wheel, everybody lent in, the universities, the governments, uh, uh, the industries. Um, everything we touch every day, could probably came on a ship. everything we eat, wear, uh, but the, uh, the people aren't aware of that. And I think there's a job to be done to uh, get that message out there and for uh, industries and everybody to lean in. Um, And it's very, very um, uh, great news today, Mr. Ong, the Minister of Transport announced that uh, the MPA of Singapore is putting up a a global maritime decarbonization uh, cluster in Singapore. Uh, So like-minded companies and and, uh, incumbents can figure out uh, what needs to be done. Because the ship owner can't solve this. The ship owner is the buyer of equipment and the buyer of fuel. And his job is to transport, uh, the, the keep the global supply chain going. Um, so it, it, it's really encouraging that uh, this is happening and that people are starting to become
3: aware of it.
1: Um, Julian,
5: do you want to add anything? Or, um? I mean, look, my view um, my viewers have said before was the customers have already shifted. So all of the big customers, whether or not you're to or Rio Tins or BHP, they are already making it very clear what the ship owners and the ship operators need to do, which is increasingly provide low carbon, low carbon vessels, which is which is what they want. The, the other reality is that the technology is now commercially available. Mars and uh, people like Jura are heavily focused on ammonia fuel systems, uh, which will become available commercially available in 2024. And if you think about it, that's only 24 months away. So already we will have engine systems which will have the capacity, the capability to ultimately burn zero carbon fuels. Because when you produce ammonia in the right way, obviously there's no C in NH4, which is ammonia. So you've got a clean fuel. So the systems that are here today, the, the challenge is how do the, the big companies finance that transition? And ultimately that's something which we are well well looked to support. Our entire business, our entire focus is, is really about the energy transition. It's about supporting those uh, big ship owners, those big operators, make the move to, these, those increasingly low-carbon fuel systems, <clears throat> but the great news again is we're completely lying. There's what the want. they've told us. What the regulators want, they've told us, and the technology is here today. So often when we hear that there's, there's uncertainty regarding which direction the uh, the industry is moving, I, I think we need to just look at uh, the realities, which is uh, the very large players have already made those decisions and they've, they've signaled it to everybody. It's just that there's a lack lack of capital, uh, which is uh, prepared to support that in, in the case of some medium-sized uh, ship owners and operators.
6: And that's a good point, uh, just to segue in, but end of the day, uh, picking up on Julian's couple of points around what you said now and for around um, uh, equity being the key, there are a range of interesting uh, funds, particularly in the UK, which are focused on growth and not necessarily equity in nature but they target a certain return of flexible about how they get there it is about cash flow first second and third the second thing is about the management team so if the management team has a real thesis i think they will support that case the actual steel itself is the least of the considerations of some of these players who cannot and and i for one don't know what the right Um, fuel is, as long as there's interoperability and you can flip um, uh, an engine between ammonia and say uh, something else uh, when needed, uh, I guess that's the flexibility. So there are a lot of capital out there, equity and non-equity, which are focused on both ESG solutions, but also supporting good business ideas. I think that the message is positive. I guess from an Asian perspective being here in Singapore, we need more things like um, uh, Clifford Capital, which has been specifically set up to help long-term developments, has a Singapore element um, and, and things of that nature to fill uh, the absence of certain senior uh, debt and try and encourage some of the innovation that you really see in America, Germany and uh, the UK to be based here for. A, particularly around that debt component, because we have very good equity people uh, in Hong Kong and other places. It's just that I think the key for us in Singapore is is getting that debt, which I don't see as being competition uh, from uh, alternative equity. It is a complementary nature to achieve the results that our clients want.
5: If if you are- uh, Sorry, Axel, I didn't mean to cut across you. one point before, on George. This is a phenomenal opportunity for Singapore to really take a leadership when it comes to green finance. Mm. Now, London has taken a, a, and I've come to London now for the last few months, a phenomenal leap forward in green finance. But in Asia, there really isn't a financial capital which is showing that leadership. And given your natural maritime complex and the, the skills surrounding that in, in that ecosystem, There is a unique opportunity for the MPA for Singapore to really provide that leadership. And and I I think you've got to grab it. So uh, I'll be emailing the MPA soon.
4: And me. And George. But if, if, if you listen to this panel and actually read the papers as a ship owner that owns a seven year old dry bulk or tanker, you could actually get the impression that, well, will I have a problem basically refinancing my ship in five years time down the road? Uh, because everybody now talks about ESG, et cetera. And let me ease the concerns. I'm deeply convinced. Yes, it will be no problem actually even finding, you know, uh, bank financing for this type of exercise simply because what we're talking now about concerning ESG and, future propulsion system, you know, that's the innovative part of the market. And I think the very strong, large uh, players, you know, will uh, come across uh, that segment uh, first. But, you know, 90, 95 percent of the market at the moment is is still on on traditional propulsion system, traditional fuels and will be for quite some time. The biggest gain besides most probably come, you know, in terms of um, carbon emissions from from simply from slow steaming. Um, And in so far, you know, when we talk about alternative financing, I would say it might actually even be an opportunity for alternative financing to support, uh, you know, traditional ship owners. Um, to refinance uh, the assets, uh, should banks actually move um, out of the sector of uh, financing traditionally um, uh, fuel ships? Which I, at the moment, I must say, uh, I doubt. Despite the fact that it's a very positive development, that a lot of investment thought goes into how to reduce carbon emission develop new fuels and actually build new ships that will be no doubt a massive opportunity going forward but let's not forget most of the people that actually watch this panel most likely still own a traditional ship and they shouldn't be afraid
3: i mean just to just to follow up on that so i think yes the money will be there five years from now uh we will certainly be lending to traditional ships five years from now but there will be a clear differentiation on pricing and structure. And that's not necessarily because uh, <clears throat> funds such as ourselves or others <clears throat> treat it differently. It, it, it's a function of how we fund ourselves. And when banks look at us, look at us. <clears throat> it's no different than their conversation with the shipping company. They will give they will have one set of parameters for environmentally friendly assets and one set of parameters for traditional assets. Uh, whether it's directly the shipping company or directly with somebody like FleetScape that we then pass on to our clients again, so I think that that gap there is a gap today between <clears throat> more fuel-efficient ships and less fuel-efficient ships. That gap will continue to grow, but the capital will be there. That that I that I agree with. The capital will be there. Correct.
1: Um, right. I I did have one last question, but I also got a message saying we had. Two minutes left. One minute ago. So, um, I'm maybe I'll just um, quickly ask it, and you can just give me some buzzwords um, before we end. Um, just in terms of the future, um, how, you know, what what are we concerned about? What um, what what are the what are the uncertainties or or, or the threats? Um, could you just you know maybe just yeah in a few words um, tell us what you think they are.
2: What does the new normal really look like?
3: I also think this is a pre, this is yeah. a people business. We have to meet physically, and, and 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 if we're not capable of doing that, it will be much more difficult to get a hold of, of capital in the right the right way, get the, the right deals done.
1: Yeah. Um, right. Um, so I've just got a message saying time's up. Um, so, um, I. Uh, Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so, all that remains um, for me now is um, to thank um, all our panelists. Uh, thank you so much. You've been great and engaging. Um, and I've certainly uh, learned a lot. Um, I'm sure our audience has. And um, to our audience, thank you very much for participating in this session. Um, and um, as I mentioned, if you need to reach out to any of the panelists, you can get their contact details of the Capital Link website. So thank you, everyone.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Shana.
3: Thank you, panel. Thank you very much.